Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie R fan, rise and shine campers, it's Groundhog Day, Zlatan dumps Gattuso, Inter give themselves a mountain to climb, and Juve are back on track for a 10th consecutive title. But not everything's the same, Roma are challenging for the league, CBC are buying the league, and Lazio star in airplane free. All that and more in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. It's late November, Milan are top of the league. Everyone's talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Conte's angry again. Uh, on the face of it, not that much has changed, but still plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll get into some detail shortly, but in a word, Boaz, are you allowing yourself to get excited yet? In a word, no. Fair enough. We'll, uh, I'll give you some more words shortly. Um, how are you getting on otherwise and uh, what sort of beer have you got this evening? Everything is pretty good. Uh, we're starting to get into what I would call winterish here. It's getting a little bit colder, not as cold as you Nordic people, but uh, um, I'm wearing a hoodie as opposed to a t-shirt. Yeah, when you said it was cold, I was not having 18 degrees. As, uh... it, it feels like time. 16, guys. Come on, like a little bit of credit. But again, I'm, I'm used to warmer climes, but I'm having a tropical IPA, which is a mango tasting IPA. It's actually the very last beer that's left in my house. So it's, it was, it's kind of a miracle bottle that I found at the back of the fridge. Hallelujah. I mean, it's quite low effort, but um, considering that I've not managed to secure a beer again, uh, I'm not sure I'm in any place to criticize. I, I missed, again, the, the deadline of 9 p.m. for buying a beer in Finland, so I'm on the gin and tonic. Apologies to all of the fans. Yeah, I just want to put on, on record that I am very, very disappointed in you, Oscar. Again. I did suggest you should buy some beers in advance, but apparently you can't resist when you have alcohol in the house and you have to get rid of it all. I even did the research and sent you guys a picture of the beer that I wanted to buy. You did. Um, so hopefully that, that features next week. Um, Kenny, have you got a beer that you can redeem the podcast with? I do. I actually went all the way to the shop to to buy a beer especially for for this podcast which has a beer element to it um but yeah i bought a beer called disco forklift truck it's a mango pale ale uh sticking with that theme of going for things that sound uh, a little bit different um and it's by a brewery called drygate brewing company uh they are based in glasgow so i'll let you know how i get on with that one good stuff looking forward to hearing about that Right, let's, let's start with Napoli-Milan. So obviously Napoli won Milan 3, and the first time in 10 years that Milan have won in Napoli. Uh, since the last time that uh, Zlatan was at Milan, I've just been informed by Kenny. Um, Boaz, how good were Milan in this game? Uh, what did you make of it? So Zlatan actually scored in that last game Milan won 10 years ago, and here he is 10 years later, and Gennaro Gattuso says that uh, 40-year-old Zlatan is better than 30-year-old Zlatan. 
it's impossible not to talk about this game without focusing on the big man up front. Not only did he score two goals, but also his uh, contribution to the team as a whole in this game was uh, splendid. As I think I mentioned in a couple of past podcasts that despite getting the goals, and he's now scored in eight consecutive games, if I'm not mistaken, but despite getting the goals, maybe he was a little bit sloppy with his passing and he was getting a little bit too frustrated with his teammates. Uh, In this game, he was in high spirits. He was encouraging the much younger team around him. And, uh, well... The, he scored two really yeah, good he was goals. Outstanding, wasn't he? What was your favorite goal? I, I have to say, for me, it's the head up in the edge of the box, reminiscent of that one that Luis Suarez scored for Liverpool back in his heyday. I'm, I tend to agree with you. I, I probably slightly preferred the first goal just because he goes up against um, Koulibaly, who is not a small man, and he um, outjumps him by a lot. And then he's also, he also has the mental fortitude to place the ball in the bottom corner. I think the his second goal was probably the build-up to it with a, a fantastic through ball from Theo to uh, Rebic, who then puts in a really good cross. That, the whole move as a whole, and to be fair, that whole left side for Milan was very impressive throughout the night. So I think the header slightly edges it, but not by a lot. And that was another Theo ball as well, wasn't it? Or Hernandez putting that that ball in. A beautiful, beautiful cross in as well. And then the pinpoint header. That's my, That was my favorite one, Oscar. Good to know. And if we're mentioning Theo Hernandez at the moment, uh, he, he's another player who maybe Milan, who struggled in the last couple of outings, uh, maybe it was possible that he was kind of maybe in the shadow a little bit. Possibly teams were paying a little bit more attention to him. But in any case, uh, as Kenny and I were discussing during the game, uh, I felt that he really uh, shone more on the defensive side than on the attacking side. And that's saying something considering he played a big part in two of the goals. Yeah, I fully fully agree with you, Boaz. I think uh, that's the one side of his game that he that Teo Hernandez has been criticized for perhaps before uh, defensively and in this game he was absolutely fantastic. I mean the way the timing of some of his tackles and the decision making defensively were were excellent so uh, if he adds that to to his locker then a very very scary prospect and uh, also we have to we have to mention Donnarumma who was sensational. Definitely. I mean, it's crazy to think that Donnarumma is only 20 years old and he's already played, what, four seasons for Milan. At some point during the game, there was some crazy shouts going on and there was some some guy shouting really angrily at Rebic, no, 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 cazzo! And I was thinking, wow, this is like uh, one of the coaches is going mad here. Like, like considering both Pioli and his... Uh, deputy were off with the covid i i was wondering who was on the, who had the balls on the bench to give the to be so assertive and then i realized that it was donnarumma all the way back from goal being a real leader on the pitch and uh, i think it's fair to say that not not only in terms of salary but also in terms of importance to the team and leadership he's definitely in the top three players in this squad absolutely um we have to discuss the refereeing decisions. Uh, firstly, the Bakayoko red. Uh, Kenny, you you had strong views on this one. Not strong views, um, but I think that I mean it was the the second tackle. Definitely, I don't think anyone really can argue that it was uh, second yellow. The first one was more debatable, but I think I think the reason for that is 
tiredness. I mean, we we know that Bakayoko was in bed with a fever in midweek, and I think Gattuso said before the game that he was only planning on giving him 60 minutes. And to me, that looks very much like that. It looks like mental tiredness, really, to to make that challenge because I don't think Bakayoko you know if he's if he's completely with it i don't think he makes that tackle knowing that he's he's on a yellow i think he's a more experienced player than that and to, fairness to gattuso um he was a class act in the in the post match press conference boz already mentioned his comments about zlatan but gattuso held his hands up and said he i should have taken him off before then to be honest and plenty more about gattuso's a post-match press conference to talk about but uh let's stick on the refereeing decisions for now yeah the other one i wanted to highlight was uh that's a lot of napoli fans thought those latin should have been sent off for the the flying elbow um obviously latin has a bit of previous for this was suspended for three matches while he was at united for elbowing tyrone mings but did, did you think this one was intentional bars i think um when I saw it live, it looked like he was taking up his position and that he jumped way before uh, Koulibaly moved closer to him. When you watch it in a uh, super slow replay, it looks much worse than it is. And I think it's one of those yellow slash orange cards. But again, uh, you have to be you have to say that Koulibaly was not winning that ball in any way possible. And he sticks his head a bit pointlessly. And uh while we're on the subject of Koulibaly, he went up for um, seven aerial challenges in this game and apparently he didn't win even one of them. You have, it's seriously worrying for Napoli and Napoli fans that the player who was uh, supposedly a Man City target a few years ago and that De Laurenti said that it was a shame he didn't sell him for 110, 110 million euros. Uh, it looks like he's, his play is really regressing and that... Um, Costas Manolas on the other side is slightly carrying him. Obviously, the season is still long and he hasn't had the proper preseason, but uh, maybe someone to keep an eye on right now. Absolutely. Um, and Kenny, did you want to talk more about the Gattuso's post-match press conference? Just to say what a, what a class act, really. We, t- we talk about um, managers' uh, antics in the post-match press conferences a fair amount on this, uh, on this podcast. And Gattuso was very, very gracious. He said, uh, and he highlighted some of the some of the episodes that we've discussed. But basically, was like no problem. They looked at it on VAR. They came to that conclusion. Um, but more to the point, he said that there's no excuses really. Um, I'm not going to blame bad luck for the performance tonight. We weren't aggressive enough. Um, I th- I believe that we're as good as Milan are, but they seem to believe in themselves more. And I think um, coupled with the comments on Zlatan and the mea culpa on the um, Bakayoko sending off, I just think uh, he's yeah he's a real class act. Yeah, I did. I have to admit, I was amused by uh, the comments resurfacing in the media or the instant resurfacing in the media when him and Zlatan were at Milan together and after a disagreement in training he was dunked into a (laughs) a wheelie bin by Zlatan Um, obviously impossible to avoid metaphors after the the performance that Zlatan gave and another small anecdote is that um, Bonera who was on the bench for Milan also played with uh, Gattuso and Zlatan 10 years ago so all around a little bit of a reunion Absolutely, uh, but but what do we think? Kind of bigger picture. Do we do we now 
the Milan as title contenders. I know, um, Kenny, you said at the start of the season you'd expect to see them in the top four. Yeah, I think you have to. We're eight games into the season. Um, after the next game, we'll basically be a quarter of the way in. Uh, they've played Roma, who we're going to speak about later on, who by all accounts seem like top four contenders at least. They've played Napoli now. They've played the Inter. I think we have to. We have to look at the the fact that they're five points ahead of Inter, four points ahead of Juve. But also, I think we have to look at the squad. I don't think this Milan squad is ever given really the credit that it's uh, that it's due. Uh, yes, Zlatan is incredible. Yes, Donnarumma is incredible. Yes, some people talk about Teo Hernandez, but I think that that midfield pairing of uh, Kessier and uh, Benasser as well uh, is absolutely fantastic. And yes, Kessier did have the was probably at fault for the for the Napoli goal, but I just think that you look at this team and they really are looking like a cohesive uh, and uh, an impressive outfit. Really, uh, I think they're challengers. I'm I'm not going to go out and say that they're my favourites for the title, but I think we have to talk about top four now for Milan. And I think that they've got a very realistic shot at this thing. As we don't need to ask you as, as a Milan fan, I know you'd, you'd never admit to uh, hope for a title challenge at this point in the season. All I can say is that I'm uh, far more involved in football now that Milan are in the running than I was when they were just in mid-table obscurity. And I'm not sure which, which I prefer, to be honest. I've been... Having a near heart attack every weekend is not doing me any good. <laughs> yeah, I'll never go into my But uh, to tie it up nicely, um, we started this little Milan segment speaking about uh, Zlatan, who of course went off injured. Um, he'll be off for 15 days apparently, which means he'll miss three games. And uh, this is where this squad that we're praising so much, this is where we see how they're going to come together. It has to be said that when Zlatan came off, the average age of the team went down to 23. So uh, that's the youngest team in Europe by far in the top five leagues. Yeah, nicely rounded off there because we do need to move on and talk about Roma, who looked very impressive in a 3-0 win against Parma. Henrik Mkhitaryan once again twice on the score sheet. I mean, it's another team that we need to start considering for the top four really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think I was probably guilty at the start of the season of uh, seeing how how disappointing Roma had had started. I think they had the 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 one game written off for the Diawara incident. Um, I think they had a couple of draws early on as well. Uh, but they really have been on absolutely sensational form, and you've got to take into account the fact that. This game, they were without Edin Dzeko and they're still without Zaniolo, uh, who are probably two their their two biggest stars. But there's quality throughout that team as well. And let's not forget that Mkhitaryan maybe didn't quite do it in the English Premier League, but he was one of Europe's hottest properties uh, before he before he got there uh, at Borussia Dortmund. So. Yeah, uh, I, I I absolutely think so, and I think uh, the signing of Kumbula, there's Mancini there, there's you've got Spinazzola, there's there's plenty of youth as well. So they're another team that quietly have gone about the business of lowering the average age of the squad, um, and they yeah they really seem to be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Jacko's coming back into the squad. It'd be interesting to see the kind of role that Mkhitaryan takes up because we've not really seen him in 
scoring as many goals in uh, A's past clubs have always obviously been strong creative force. What do you think, Baz? They're going to be strengthened by Dzeko coming back? Are you worried about Roma as a Milan fan? I wouldn't say I'm worried about Roma as a Milan fan, but I think they're. we mentioned in the last episode that they're kind of slowly creeping up without anyone really paying much attention to them. Their um, transfer window was possibly a little bit quiet, but the players they brought in are functional to their game. And their neat interplay has been fantastic. Um, that pass from Spinazzola for the Boja Mayo Alve goal is just beautiful. Yeah, incredible. I'd like. I mean, I, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go out there and give uh, Mikatayan a dishonorable mention for even considering taking that shot for the second goal. <laughs> um, it's criminal. But then I'm gonna give him an honorable mention for taking that shot because I, I that was for me the moment of the weekend. It was gorgeous. And you have to also consider that uh, Roma wrapped up this game in uh, about 40 minutes and. It yeah. you know that's the stuff of uh, of true winning teams that they can they can kind of take their uh, foot off the gas but still control the game save some energy absolutely um, well, we won't dwell on them for too long we'll let them continue to creep up unnoticed oh and uh, sorry to say uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, the Friedkin brothers have been uh, present at every single game this season and. Possibly their their uh, presence is a calming influence, and it looks like they're going about their business in the right way. They're not as uh, showy as as past owners, and I think uh, it's it's been the results are proving them their methods right. It's a freaking good point. <laughs> we haven't had a freaking good anything for a few episodes. It was the only reason that. I mentioned them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the last. Uh, game that we're going to talk about in this part is uh, Inter Torino um, ended up uh, Inter 4 Torino 2 but Torino were 2-0 up uh, at one point in this game they started really well didn't they Kenny what did you what did you make of them yeah absolutely I think the first thing to say um, (laughs) so we we all know what the the final score was um, but the first thing to say is that Torino are improving this is at the start of the season they really weren't doing much going forward they were an absolute shambles defensively they're they're definitely improving and to be honest Inter were pretty appalling for the first hour of this game but equally Torino could have had a lot more Zaza in particular had plenty of opportunities I think I had to look at the stats just before we started recording he had seven seven efforts in in the game he was really a live spark particularly in in the first half but yeah, I mean, there is this overarching sort of theme of Torino throwing away what appear to be commanding victories and uh, commanding positions. I know that there was the Sassuolo game, the Lazio game. I mean, it seems to possibly be developing into a habit. I read somewhere that they've dropped uh, 14 points from leading positions and that's in just eight games thus far. So it's a really bad habit to have and especially in a Serie A that is particularly competitive this season. Yeah, I'm sure. I accept what you're saying, but I do think they were a bit unlucky on the penalty. Um, I, I don't know, mm. wanted to know what you guys made of this because uh, we actually got a question from a listener. R- Ricky Martin was asking, how is that not offside? Um, and I've watched it a few times. I've read the rules. I can't figure it out. It, it, it seems to me that Hakimi was coming back from an offside position and therefore a penalty shouldn't be given. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, the there is a 
long ball that comes in and uh, Inculo chests it down and kind of miscontrols it. And then when he tries to get control of it again, he hits Hakimi's leg, who in the meantime was offside. I think the interpretation of the rule is that as soon as uh, Inculo touches it, it begins a new passage of play. And therefore him hacking Hakimi down is considered a foul. In theory, Inculo would have been better off to just let the ball go out or hit Hakimi. And that would have been the offside that you're asking for. Having said that, I'm not too clear about the rules myself. I felt it was an offside when I saw it. But uh, people who are a little bit more knowledgeable than us seem to think that we are wrong. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Yeah, I've kind of done the flip. Uh, I've done the reverse of Boaz. I saw it and I thought, yeah, he he controls he he controls the ball uh, at that point it's not like a deflection or anything it's he, he actually tries to take the ball under control and therefore he plays him on side but unarguably you're right oscar he does the, the he makes a motion to play the ball and therefore becomes effective and it doesn't really matter it's it's at the point but the the rules seem to suggest it's at the point that he makes the move to play up the ball from an offside position but um yeah what what boz said as well there i've heard people on um italian radio explain why this very definitely was but i think it's just more it's just yet another example of tinkering with the offside rule constantly and it gets to the point where it becomes difficult to keep up really I think the same people Kenny is talking about on Italian radio is are very keen to keep uh, controversy down to a minimum right now with with football because they don't want to they don't want any additional drama. So uh, they're very quick to uh, w- sweep any controversy under the carpet. Yeah, it's probably a fair point. The only slightly vague uh, part of the ruling I could find is that it does say that if there's a player in an offside position moving towards the ball with the intention of playing the ball has not yet started attempting to play the ball and they are fouled, then the foul takes place before the offside. But I don't think you can argue really that Hakimi has not started attempting to play the ball. I mean, he's right there <laughs> in between the ball and Nkulu. How's that not attempting to play the ball? But yeah, there, there is a slight grey area in the rules. But yeah, I would say even within that, um, I, the the question is, what is attempting to play the ball? Is it making a move to play the ball, as in running in the direction of the ball? Or is it the, the point that he actually makes a movement with his leg or whatever part of his body he's moving to play the ball with? I think either way. It's, um... And maybe if Nkulu doesn't, uh, doesn't take this touch, perhaps uh, we wouldn't be talking about this whole instant. So this whole incident. So maybe, um, like we've said in the past, we, we, a lot of controversy would be avoided if uh, the player was slightly more switched on. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, excellently taken penalty by Lukaku as well. Um, that's all we've got time for in this half. We'll just do a couple of uh, honourable mentions and then uh, wrap it up and take part two. Uh, Kenny, you had one for Lazio's pilot. Nice change of pace. <laughs> Yeah, so a bit of an odd one, this one. Um, but it uh, involves the, the Lazio plane, which has been in the in the headlines for, for all the wrong reasons uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but apparently the weather was so bad flying to the, uh, to the Crotone game 
um, that according to Immobile, who was giving an interview after the after the victory, uh, all of the staff and players on board basically feared for their lives. There is a funny caveat with this, which is that he said that Acerbi Parolo and um, there's a direct a Lazio director as well. Um, apparently they weren't they weren't too bothered, but he did caveat it by saying that Parolo's an absolute maniac and he views uh, he views flights as fairground <laughs> rides or something. And the Chabi is uh, ultra Christian, so I guess he believes he's in the hands of God. Whatever happens, yeah, possibly, possibly. But yeah, basically the plane had to circle multiple times apparently before landing and um, conditions were deemed so dangerous that it wasn't actually allowed to take off again after the game. Apparently the players were lining up afterwards to sort of congratulate and thank the the pilot afterwards. Uh, it, has to be, it has to be noted that the weather conditions that we actually saw in the game uh, kind of... <laughs> perhaps give us some some context for this there's absolutely no way that this game should have gone ahead in my view it was uh more like water polo than than football i've had games where i've played where the pitch was in better conditions than that and the, and the referee has called it off i don't understand how in a major league that pitch was acceptable it's crazy they must just be in a rush i think just to they don't want to call any game off they're gonna play at all costs but i particularly enjoyed immobile's diving header when he went flying for about 30 meters afterwards just skimming along the surface that looked like fun but i can't imagine it was the safest conditions to to play in and there's uh the lazio plane we, we also mentioned it last week with the infamous luis alberto quotes it's been in the news for other reasons this week first of all there was a video from this the aforementioned uh, flight that was leaked by one of the players and apparently they're going to find who it is and find him. But also there was a video by uh, one of the ground staff at Fiumicino who was filming the plane and saying how shit it was and how bits were missing <laughs> and how it was like, uh, how Lazio were ripped off. Clearly a Roma fan, but but uh, very amusing. And Fiumicino said that they will find who it is and will fire him. But still, I mean, Lazio were probably better off just buying this plane and not telling anyone about it. <laughs> I think this plane's going to be the, the gift that keeps on giving. It's almost becoming like uh, Airplane Airplane 3. They, did, they only did two Airplane movies, didn't they? So I think it's going to be good value. Yeah. Well, in any case, it was worth the trip. They came out 2-0 winners away at Crotone. Um, that's all we've got time for in this segment. Buzz is waving at me very quickly. What is it? We've mentioned Zlatan quite a lot in this uh, segment, and I'm not, <laughs> no. even, I'm not even sure if I'm going to give him a dishonorable or an honorable for this, but basically he's come out against uh, FIFA. He's like He tweeted earlier today, who gave FIFA EA Sports permission to use my name or my face? FIFPro, I'm not aware of being a member of FIFPro, and if I was, it's without any real knowledge and through some weird maneuver. And for sure, I never allowed FIFA.com or FreePro to make money using me. So Zlatan knows what he's talking about right now. Yeah, um, well, be interesting to see how that one plays out. Maybe he's he's trying to get everyone to play pairs or or something. Well, this this links to the story that he bought uh, all his teammates uh, PS5. PS5. So uh, I'm not sure what game he's planning on them playing if he's not if they're not allowed to play with his likelihood. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for that, guys. That, that is all we've got time for in this segment. We'll be back soon. Hello Serie A fan, make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite listening platform and follow us on Twitter, Facebook 
and Instagram at Scudettopod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Hello and welcome back to part two, where we'll round up all the rest of the Serie A action. First of all, though, let's check in on the beers, or, or rather the beer. Kenny, <laughs> how are you getting on with your mango? Yeah. Uh, it does. It's not quite the same drinking alone, is it? Um, I'm not well, we're all drinking. Uh, yeah. I'm drinking yeah, yeah. and then drinking a good beer as well. <laughs> oh, as you've reviewed that beer before, I'm not accepting it. Just because you buy beers that, that seemingly someone bought a thesaurus and went through like 100 pages before naming it doesn't, uh, doesn't mean we're not <laughs> drinking beers. Anyway, Kenny, how's yours? Uh, my disco forklift truck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's absolutely lovely, actually. It's, uh, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm staying away from really nice, but it is absolutely lovely. It's... Uh, Got a little bit of hop, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting it to to taste maybe too, um, I don't know, too too fruity. It's got you can definitely taste the the mango, but it's got a bit of bitterness to it as well. It's really lovely. Okay, Boaz, I'm not having you review the same beer twice, even if you do claim that it tastes different this time around. So it's time to move on. To what the about football. gin and tonic? Do we not get a review of your gin and tonic? Um, it was not the best gin and tonic. Because I only had one ice cube. <laughs> right. Um, I think that's your fault rather than the gins or the tonics. Yeah, Let's well, move I on. I haven't told you the brand of the gin or the tonic, so I'm not really reviewing anything except my own skill in making it. Let's move on. I didn't have any lime either. Um, <laughs> Juve back to winning ways. <laughs> Uh, 2-0 victory over Cagliari. Uh, they seem to be clicking now that Ronaldo's back, don't they, Kenny? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, I think we kind of expected this to to happen. Maybe we we expected it to happen a little bit before, uh, but uh, Arthur in uh, midfield as well is uh, really coming into his game. And that, um, yeah, Ronaldo Morata Kulusevski is looking great. I think you have given everyone a head start. But much as I said that Milan are probably you know, have to be considered title contenders. I think at this point, Juve are probably looking like the the favourites. Yeah, definitely can't write them off, can we? Although we, I guess we should mention that Cagliari were affected by COVID, had a, a few notable absentees, didn't they? This was going to be the, I, I think it was going to be the 34th time Godin and uh, Ronaldo would have come up one against the other with uh, Ronaldo just edging it. In win in terms of wins, but of course uh, Diego Godin caught COVID while off with Uruguay and therefore did not play the game. Uh, Cagliari obviously severely missed him, and also uh, it looked like they they weren't really at the races, which helps if you're Juventus. I think Cagliari were quite well organized for large parts of this, and they were difficult to to break down and perhaps Juve were playing a bit in, in front of them. But um, yeah, certainly I think once they sort of got going um, there, yeah. And once they got in front, really, there was no way that Cagliari were, were getting back into this one. Yeah. Either way, Juve back on track for their title challenge. Um, Atalanta, another, another team tipped by some as a, a title challenger <laughs> this season have dropped another two points uh, to Spezia. Uh, but but Spezia looking a bit better. I mean, they keep picking up points, don't they, Kenny? They do. They just keep 
picking up points, uh, like you said. Uh, disappointing first half in particular from from Atalanta this one. They looked a lot better in the second half. Um, arguably, should have. I mean, they should have won the game, really. But, um, you know, there was uh, obviously the, the goal from Gozins that was disallowed, but also... Uh, a couple of occasions where Pasalic really should have should have put the ball away, but yeah, it has to. Be, I absolutely agree with you. It has to be said. Spezia were, uh, as as I said previously, very Cagliari, but Spezia were really well organized, really energetic, um, really industrious, and they do keep on picking up points. I would say at this point, I'm probably letting go of the title potential for uh, for Atalanta. Uh, I think now they just need to try and. Uh, Try and cement that Champions League spot for the third year, um, and that's going to be that's going to be a tall order. But um, that I definitely can see them, you know, doing still. They they do need to turn it on at some point, and I think they will. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm looking forward to seeing them at, um, at Anfield tomorrow night. That'll be an interesting test. Sorry, it's not tomorrow night. It's on Wednesday, isn't it? It'll be tomorrow for the listeners. Be tomorrow for listeners. Good point. Anyway, moving on to the uh, so-called hipster derby. Uh, Sassuolo took all three points at Verona. What do we make of that one, Buzz? Very impressive win for Sassuolo with a few caveats. Uh, Hellas Verona hit the cross, hit the woodwork on four different occasions, and uh, Juric went off very, very pissed off. Uh, you'd think that on a, on a different game, on a different night, they might have uh, at least got a draw. Berardi continued his fantastic form from the midweek uh, national team break scoring a very good goal and uh overall as uh the zerbi said Sassuolo being top for a few hours that's not their aim but they they continue to want to grow and i think it's a nice uh story and if you look at the table all the all the clubs who are at the top at the moment you'd have to say that they deserve to be there or you expect them to be there so it's nice to have Sassuolo in that uh, Atalanta role, could I say? Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do against Inter. I believe that's who they've got next. That's up. the next so, one. Yeah, that could be. I mean, that that could be the the point at which um, we we really see Sassuolo stake a stake a claim for for top four. Uh, alternatively, it could be you know the it could be the the point at which they kind of sort of start slipping out of of contention. But yeah, yeah, they're they're doing great, and we have to mention Boga's goal as well. It was the the Boga of last season. I'm not sure how many of those he scored last season, but um, he's he he appears to be back fighting fit after his spell out from uh, COVID, which we we did speak about in a previous pod, so we shouldn't dwell on that too much. But um, yeah, fantastic goal. He's a lovely player. Good stuff. And just before we uh, move on to honourable and dishonourable mentions, we should also mention. It seems like. The league is nearing agreement with CVC, um, a deal for a 10% stake in the league. The clubs have apparently unanimously approved the 1.7 billion buyout. So, so sounds like there's some upfront cash there to, to help the league through in this Much period. Much needed. Yeah, definitely in these, in these times. Absolutely. Um, so we're waiting for official confirmation of that. Uh, maybe we can bring you a bit more on it. If what week. the newspapers are reporting is correct, the, the the clubs managed to um, get more money than was expected for for from this deal. So really good news for a time football all around, especially, as you said, in a time when there is no fans in the stadium and uh, funds are kind of hard to come by. 
Yeah, there were some yeah. pretty scary figures, but uh, I think it was Gazzetta dello Sport of the shortfall uh, in Serie A. I think there were only about three clubs who weren't in a precarious situation, really. So, yeah, the sooner that money comes in, the the better it is for the for for the clubs and for the league as a whole. Um, and hopefully, we can look forward to getting back to normality. And then, uh, yeah, the Italian league can hopefully reach its potential once again. Absolutely. Kenny, uh, just, just moving on to the honourable mentions now, um, we didn't get a chance to speak about the, the Fiorentina game, um, but you had a, an honourable mention for, for Prandelli. Yeah, I mean, I think the less said about the the game, the better, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but 1-0 uh, loss to Benevento. Um, this is an honourable mention for Prandelli, uh, not for the performance that Fiorentina put in, um, which wasn't uh, an improvement in any meaningful way, uh, but just for his post-match honesty. He said, uh, I've, I've noted it down here, he said, any emotions I had about returning are now irrelevant. I'm bitterly disappointed with the performance. There's a huge amount of work to do. At the first sign of difficulty, the team becomes timid and they start playing as individuals. I'm worried about the fragility. This is a side that has to learn how to become a team. And the the reason that I wanted to to say that is because it's very refreshing after what we heard Yakini saying, you know, in presser after presser, uh, that Prandelli at least is saying what the rest of us can, can plainly see. Also has to be mentioned, Prandelli has had next to no time with the squad, so we can't we can't judge him harshly on on the result either. Yeah, he's certainly not wrong, and um, as you mentioned earlier, saying what everyone except for Hukini seemed to already know. Baz, on the other end of the managerial spectrum, you've got a, a, an an honourable for Gasparini. Yeah, um, despite Gasparini being uh, having a bit of a tough time on the pitch at the moment. He was uh, nominated as Coach of the Year alongside uh, Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, and uh, Hansi Flick, and a few others. I mean, he's the only Italian representative in that list, and I think it's deserved for the last season Atalanta had. Uh, Kenny, you you got another one for us? Yeah, so uh, this is in part, I think, because we uh, sort of breezed over the the Juventus game when perhaps we should have given it a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, an honourable mention for Demiral and Delict in the the heart of that defence. Um, Bonucci and Chiellini not not missed. Well, they weren't as missed as perhaps people would have expected them to be. This was Delict's, I think, first game of the of this season. So, yeah, good to see him back and a uh, very assured uh, performance there by, by those two. Absolutely. Uh, Baz, you had a, an honourable mention. And this is my final honourable mention, and it goes out to Giampaolo Pazzini, who has uh, announced that he's retiring. It's quite fitting for this pod because he played for the likes of Atalanta, Fiorentina, Sampdoria, Inter, Milan and Verona. And that, so they're all clubs that we actually mentioned. But anyways... Um, after a long career and uh, I believe four goals for the Azzurri as well, he uh, decided to retire after not renewing his contract with Verona last year. He's one of those uh, Serie A faces that you kind of knew he was around and with his uh, trademark uh, not safe for work goal celebration. And he was uh, known as Il Pazzo, the madman. So we lose a great nickname along with a decent Serie A player. Good personality. Still got plenty of mad men around, though. Definitely. But no one doing that that celebration. 
<laughs> anyway, that is all we've got time for this week. Please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Uh, until then, enjoy the football. We'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.